My mom asked me this a lot, and it's kind of an intense question. My mom asked me, she's like, when did we stop being best friends? And she's right. We used to be best friends. You remember that when you were a little boy and you like you loved your mom and you thought she was the cool. You remember when you were gay? Welcome everybody to another episode of the Luke Papala Show. Uh, first, I want to thank Air Shades for hooking me up with three pairs of sunglasses. I'm gonna have like an unboxing review at some point out on my Instagram this week. But shout out to them, man. I I DM them, um, and they were able to hook me up with a couple pairs of free sunglasses. So shout out to them. I'm rocking one of the pairs that they sent me right here. <clears throat> but it's been it's been a a pretty good week in the American news cycle. Um, I like to cover pretty much anything on the show. And Shane Gillis, uh, American comedian Shane Gillis, hosted Saturday Night Live. Um, give you a little bit of a, of a backdrop on Shane Gillis. So he's a, he's a comedian from Philadelphia, and what is controversial with him is he was hired on SNL in 2019, I believe it was, um, <clears throat> to be on, you know, the show uh, as a regular cast member, everything like that, a rising comedian. And then what happened was they did like a deep dive on him. You know, rightfully so. SNL's a pretty big company, pretty big show. And, you know, with NBC behind it and all. And so what they found was alleged like Asian slurs. And so what happened then was he wasn't even allowed to be on a single episode of SNL. They fired him. Um, and so he was fired before he even was able to be like a, like a, a actor, I guess you could say, on the show. And... Fast forward to now, 2024, he hosted the show on February 24th, last Saturday, and mostly positive. I mean, this is a big win for comedy. Uh, it's a big win for comedians, especially comedians that rose up kind of like through the internet, which is similar to what Shane did. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple of things. Uh, first, we're going to talk about it. I mean, I think he is the new king of comedy. He's only like 34, 35. He might be 36, but whew, relatively young, relatively rookie years for in terms of like a comedian and i'm so excited to you know talk about what he's doing next so real quick what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna react to his monologue kind of a controversial mon uh, monologue and you'll see why if there are slurs which there are a couple quote-unquote slurs that are in here we'll bleep it um but yeah this is a uh, so we're gonna react to shane gillis's uh stand-up monologue on snl and we're just gonna ooh, let's turn that down we're just going to go with it. So here we go. Let's uh, dismiss that. Turn the volume all the way up. <clears throat> all right, give me a second here. Let's record this. All righty. Here we go. Alrighty, so we are now recording, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's react to it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Gillis.
Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm here. I, uh, most of you probably have no idea who I am. Uh, I was actually, I was fired from this show uh, a while ago, but if, you know, don't look that up, please. If you don't know who I am, please don't Google that. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, I, this is, I, sh I probably shouldn't be up here, honestly. I should be home, I should be, I should be a high school football coach. That's what I should be. Like, God molded me perfectly to be a high school football coach slash ninth grade sex education teacher. <laughs> but that is, <laughs> that is what I want to be. That is, you know, I can feel it. It's in there, it's like my true calling. And you feel, you know, I can feel it, you know, I'm getting older, it's passing me by. You know, like my biological clock is ticking on this stream. You know how like, uh, you know like when a, a woman's biological clock is ticking, she sees like a baby in a stroller and is like, oh my God, your baby. Like that's how I am if I see like, like a big 15 year old, I'm like, oh my God, look at the size of that kid. <laughs> With the right coaching, that kid could be something special, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I actually, I come from a long line of coaches in my family. My, my father is actually a volunteer assistant girls high school basketball coach. <laughs> he's actually here right now. You get him on there? Holy crap. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's single at his dad. His dad's in the crowd. He's single at his dad. That's funny. There's my dad, the volunteer assistant girls high school basketball coach. <laughs> I thought it was funny. All right. You don't think that's funny to bring my dad here to make fun of him for being a girls' high school basketball coach? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I thought it was great. Never mind. Pay attention to the chick in the back. That was going to be a big He's hit not here. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Now, my mom's up there with him. My mom... <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of you. My mom asked me this a lot, and it's kind of an intense question. My mom asked me, she's like, when did we stop being best friends? <laughs> And she's right. We used to be best friends. You remember that when you were a little boy and you like you loved your mom and you thought she was the cool. You remember when you were gay? <laughs> you remember when you were just a gay little boy? Every little boy is just their mom's gay best friend. There's literally zero difference. I was gay from. <laughs> Apparently, so he's the first one to say like the word gay, um, in like the way it used to be used, like gay in terms of like being weird. Um, he's he's the first one to be like non politically correct, I guess, in a long time in a, in, a, in a SNL stand up monologue. My mom, she would pick me up from school. I'd hop in the van. I'd be like, "Girl, tell me about your day." <laughs> I thought she was cool. I would listen to her music. I'd be like, "Bam, bam, 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 bam." Let's go, girls. I would, I would dance for Same. her. Same. <laughs> like, Look at my little dancer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my mom asked me when we stopped being best friends, and I don't, I don't have the heart to tell her because, like most men, I know exactly when me and my mom stopped being friends. It was, uh, it was the first time I whacked off. Oh. Because <laughs> right. oh. before, <laughs> before that, you're like, oh, where's my mom? I love my mom. She's so cool. One nut, you're like, when's that bitch gonna leave the house? <laughs> I have so much business to attend to. <laughs> All right. I hope I can say those words on TV. Uh... <laughs> this anyway, is great. my whole family's here, so I'll talk about them instead of anything else. 
talk about my family. I'll tell you this. I don't know if you guys, uh, if you can tell by looking at me, but I do have family members with Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> it almost got me. I, he did that I, in I, a special. But it nicked me. It nicked me. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> it's fun. Bro, nobody else, nobody else can do this, and, and maybe he brought SNL back, man. Who knows? But th- th- this whole episode, I think, was genuinely funny. And also, I think too. Let me, let me give SNL credit. I mean, they've been they've been putting out like funnier episodes of late. I I, I like the one with Timothy Chalamet. I thought that was really cool, really funny. Um, they've been doing better, man. And Pete Davidson too. I thought that was funny. Look, I don't have any material that can be on TV. All right. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Also, this place is extremely well lit. I can see everyone not enjoying it. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, just the most nervous I've ever been. Don't clap now. Shut up. <laughs> no, I talk about. I brought up Down syndrome. You got. You can always tell who's never been around Down syndrome when you bring it up. Like if I tell people, if I'm like, yeah, I have family members with Down syndrome. People that have never been around it are always like, oh. Like it's like it's the end of the world. Like, oh, are they okay? Are they doing? It's like they're doing better than everybody I know. They're the only ones having a good time, pretty consistently. They're not worried about the election. <laughs> they're having a good time. My niece, my niece has Down syndrome, and uh, I thought that was gonna get a bigger laugh. Uh, <laughs> all right, I thought we were allowed to have fun here. Uh, but no, my niece has Down syndrome. It's a funny thing that happens when someone in your family has Down syndrome. It goes, when my sister was pregnant, everybody was like very, very scared. And then once, you know, once they come into your life, you realize that's easily the only good member of your entire family. It's crazy. And then your family gets like too proud. Like now every single day in my family's group text, it's just pictures of my niece. And every day somebody else in my family comments, she looks exactly like Uncle Shane. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I see it a little. And there's no denying it, she does. She looks like me with bangs. <laughs> just happy, just. <laughs> but my sister, my sister, my niece's mother, she didn't know she could get pregnant, so she, she foster cared and then adopted three black kids. And then she finally got pregnant and now she has a kid with Down syndrome. And uh, her husband is from Egypt, he's an Arab guy. You go over to their house, it's like getting in the craziest Uber pool you've ever been. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Like, how did you guys meet? This is... <laughs> but there's something, I don't know, my niece, one day, I'm not saying it's like something I'm looking forward to, but I think it'll be a nice thing uh, for the whole country. Uh, I would say when my niece is probably in like fifth, sixth grade, out at recess, and some white kids out there are like, hey, you're not allowed to play with us. You're ret-. And then uh, three black kids Holy crap. <laughs> can't believe he said it we're gonna bleep we're gonna bleep that out for youtube let's just be clear um but he said he said you know the word um <laughs> the r word i can't believe i think that that's gotta be the first time in 20 30 years maybe that that was said on snl crazy and out of nowhere <laughs> you start wailing on that cracker everyone's gonna be like oh <laughs> it's like it's like a nice moment <laughs> yeah you guys said cracker uh <laughs> no we uh my family and i we actually we opened a coffee shop in my hometown for people with down syndrome to work at and uh it's going don't clap <laughs> i didn't do it for the claps i did it uh you know it's going exactly how you think it would go it's doing well actually lying around the corner every day not because there's like a ton of people going but service is 
one's getting apple juice. We don't know how to fix that problem. <laughs> there's one thing you know. <laughs> There's one thing you notice, though, when you work with these guys, and it's very, it's funny. There's literally, there's zero difference between us and them. And uh, especially at work, there's no difference. Every day these dudes show up to work just... <sighs> and you're like, what's your problem, dude? They're like, I hate this job, so... <laughs> All right, hey, we've got a great show for you tonight. 21 Savage is here, so stick around. We'll be right back. Thank you. That was great, man. Um... That was awesome. So I want to be very clear. I enjoyed that a lot. And I know a lot of people around the country enjoyed that too. Uh, not just the monologue, but like the skits and all. I can't show any here. Uh, the ones that I want to show. Uh, in particular, if you search the Limu Emu sketch, that was really good. There was also a Packers um, like butt plug sketch that was also really funny. Um the Trump shoes one wasn't bad, but I feel like it could have been better. Um, he Shane Gillis is notorious for his Donald Trump impression. I think he does the best Trump impression uh, out of all the other comedians and just impressionists out there. Um, and he kind of did it. He kind of dressed up like Trump, but not not in the way that I would have liked. Uh, he has a notorious skit on YouTube called Trump Speed Dating because um, he has like a uh, like a sketch show, right? And so he does a bunch of sketches, kind of like Key and Peele. Um, although I would argue some of them are funnier. But this one, Trump Speed Dating, I highly encourage you to go check that out if you haven't already. But I don't know, man. Shane Gillis, he, he has risen to prominence. He was on, but after he got fired from SNL, he was on a couple of podcasts after. And then finally he was on the Joe Rogan Experience. And notoriously, that episode bombed. Um, completely bombed. Uh, for whatever reason, man, I don't know, he was awkward, but now as he's starting to become more familiar with people like Joe, I know every month he's on this uh, this podcast with, with Joe Rogan, uh, Ari, Fish, Ari Shafir, and Mark Norman called Protect Our Parks, and so they have the first one, they basically just get hammered, and cha chain drinks like uh, 20 Bud Lights every episode, and so it's kind of like a, a party episode, sometimes they go for like five hours, and so... Uh, Shane had his first special. He put it out on YouTube, Live from Austin. I think that's what it was called. Uh, and it was good. Don't get me wrong. And then uh, last year, Shane had a second Netflix special. But it was a, a second special, I should say. But it was on Netflix called Beautiful Dogs. And in my opinion, if you haven't checked out Beautiful Dogs, Beautiful Dogs is probably my favorite. It's my favorite stand-up special that I've seen in a long time. Um, I'm a fan of Dave Chappelle. I'm a fan of Joe Rogan. I'm a fan of people like Tony Hinchcliffe. I've, I've seen all of them live. Um... I like, not really a fan of Burt Kreischer per se, I, I like Mark Norman, um, all the like current comedians, so those are like the guys that I watch in particular, um, I'm a big fan of Carlin, I'm a big fan of Bill Cosby, the material, not the person, um, people like that, Joan Rivers, I like her as well, um, people like that, like that have passed away, whatever, but legends in comedy, I'm a fan of, or not Bill Cosby, he hasn't passed away, but legends of comedy, I'm a fan of the, those people as well, in terms of their specials, but Shane is like, it's uh, like bro comedy, right, only like he puts his own twist on it, and so I really like, 
Here's everything he's about. Uh, his latest special on Netflix, Beautiful Dogs, is probably my 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 favorite, most recent special that's come out in the past couple years. Very entertaining. I highly encourage that you you watch it. So, there were mixed reviews. The, let me let me just get this straight right now. Um, the reactions were mostly positive. Uh, but the people that weren't positive about his uh, appearance on SNL, kind of the usual suspects, the people that you would um guess so let's take a look at the npr article so after shane gillis was on snl and he returned here is what npr wrote about him the title shane gillis struggles in a saturday night live monologue that avoids the obvious hmm. this is by eric deggins Anyone who thought comic Shane Gillis would emerge confident and defiant, hosting Saturday Night Live nearly five years after he was fired from the cast amid the backlash over racist and transphobic jokes, had to be a little disappointed with his monologue last night. Gillis didn't spend much time joking about the controversy or the rise in his comedy career that led him to return to the show. Don't look that up, he cracked several seconds after walking on stage to greet the audience. If you don't know who I am, please don't Google that. Uh, there wouldn't be any gloating or in-your-face jokes. Instead, Gillis moved on quickly, turning in an uneasy opening monologue punctuated with slight stabs at being naughty. He joked that every little boy is just their mom's gay best friend. <laughs> Man, that was funny. And offered a bit about how people with Down syndrome, um, including relatives, are some of the happiest people he knows. Which, this is true. If you really do know Down syndrome, like this is, a, this is true. We used to go to a restaurant when I was little called Friendly's. Now, they're no longer in business, but one of the waitresses there had Down syndrome. And I'm not going to lie, she she used to hit on my dad all the time. Uh, and my dad had been married for 25 years um, to my mother. And it was just, it was fun. You know, she was, it was all in, in good fun. She was amazing. Uh, lit up the room every time she would be our, our server. Um, she was great. And what, what Shane said about people with Down syndrome, that it, it's true. They light up your day. This guy continues to go on uh, from NPR. As the monologue wore on, Gillis seemed increasingly uncomfortable, even for a comic whose onstage persona is slightly awkward, sort of doofus. Uh, more than once, he quipped about that he expected a joke uh, to get a bigger laugh, noting at one point, this is extremely well lit, I can see everyone not enjoying it. Uh, laughter in the room were SNL broadcasts from sometimes louder uh, to viewers at home than to the performers on stage, is noted there. <clears throat> he said, in, in some ways, it was an ingenious response to the backlash Saturday Night Live faced in bringing him on as a host. Viewers might be aware of the criticism, but didn't spend much time looking over the podcast where he dropped racial slurs, anti-Semitic language, and homophobic slash transphobic quips, likely watched his monologue and wondered what the fuss was about. Uh, Gillis may be attempting something that's increasingly tough to do in a media world where every podcast and stand-up gig is recorded and uploaded somewhere, uh, talking to his core audience in a way that is more explicit and button-pushing than the comedy he offers for a far more general audience like his Netflix special or Saturday Night Live. This guy goes on to say, unfortunately, I spent time listening to some of that podcast material before the SNL episode. This guy's a dick. This guy's a dick. So I felt more cynical watching him joke about how his sister adopted three black children and married an Egyptian man. So visiting their house was like getting in the craziest Uber pool you've ever seen. Or seeing him reference how he and his family established a coffee shop in their hometown where people with Down syndrome can work. 
or the joke that got the biggest laugh where he imagined his niece with Down syndrome being insulted by a white kid at school, and then a group of three black kids come up flying out of nowhere and just start wailing on that cracker. This guy put in parentheses, why exactly would they do that, and why does race matter here? I know, I'm just overthinking, but I felt it was a lazy excuse to give the crowd a joke about slur-slinging white person getting some comeuppance. This guy, this guy, his favorite color must be, like, beige, like, just boring. Here's why that joke is funny, is because a white kid is at school, and then three black kids, obviously, uh, the, the white kid with Down syndrome in the joke, is at school getting bullied by other white kids and then the three black kids who are the the the, the brothers of the girl with down syndrome come in boom uh throwing a slur like I, it is funny it, it's a funny premise this guy is just boring and he, he he's obviously mad because somebody like shane is getting uh to be more prominent in the in the media <sighs> something that uh cancelable comedians that don't uh pander to their audiences this doesn't really happen much um comedians like shane and most comedians besides podcasts besides specials they don't get a lot of mainstream appeal um you got to be clean or you got to pander to the left so this is it's crazy that shane even got this opportunity but this guy goes on and i i i don't know how this article goes eh, it's not that long um so this guy keeps on going. He says, much of it felt like Gillis' attempt to insulate himself from criticism and avoid any jokes that would revive the backlash. But since he already didn't really explain or explore the controversy uh, swirling around his appearance, it all took on the feel of an opportunity missed or a subject ducked. Again, he said, don't look it up. That wasn't the point. He was trying to move past that, but he still made it funny, at least to me. This guy says, uh, my cynicism extended to the other sketches and bits in his show, which often felt like they could have been inspired by the rambling jokes on his podcast, which is not true, actually, because Shane actually said he, the sketches at him and uh, whatever comedian writer friend he has that writes all, all his other sketches, they weren't, they wrote jokes too, but none of their jokes were taken. So this is strictly from SNL. This stuff included a skit where Gillis is the patri patriarch of a white family visiting a black church in Jamaica allowing him to use a terrible Jamaican accent for a few jokes to the game show where he played a white man who pretended not to recognize Martin Luther King Jr. and Oprah because he was afraid to say the wrong name on TV. One of his opponents was a black woman who didn't recognize the Mona Lisa or Michelangelo statue of David, which stung even worse. This guy goes on to, I, I'm not even going to give this, I, I'm Xing out of the article. This is stupid. This guy's a hater. This guy's a hater. And just because Shane got in a little bit of trouble, this is one of the guys that, wants cancel culture to prevail and cancel culture to stick and ultimately what's happening with cancel culture now is man you're starting to see that people just don't give a shit like people are done caring about it you know what i mean like if, if somebody said something five years ago so what um it, it's shane gillis's job to be a comedian to make people laugh and, and the prime goal of comedians is to push back at something that happens in society to essentially make fun of society and society's rules like and push back against these rules so i don't know man we're like 24 minutes in already um but yeah to go on so after this uh well actually before this shane gillis blew up even more there was a rumored 50 million dollar deal but he, he did sign uh, a deal with Bud Light, so he's now sponsored by Bud Light. A lot of money, going to be a spokesperson, huge deal. After this SNL appearance, Shane Gillis also signed a deal with Netflix. So you'll remember that I said earlier, 
he had a uh, stand-up special on Netflix. Uh, additionally, now what he has is a contract for another stand-up special. And also, he has a it's a comedy show that he funded himself called Tires. Basically, what he does is works in like an auto shop. Um, the pilot's on YouTube. You can check out the pilot. But it's him, people like Stavros Hakias, Andrew Schultz is in it too, and a couple other comedians. Well six episodes and he actually just sold it to netflix so that's part of his new contract so now not only is he having another show or excuse me another special on netflix another netflix comedy special but he also has a show now it's gonna be um they already shot filmed it everything like that he sold it to netflix and so it's gonna premiere in may 2024 which is awesome i cannot wait for that but ultimately man to to just get off the subject i think that man this is good for comedy this is good for the world i think when you when you when you shut people up like like uh what happened to shane when you cancel people i think it's stupid i think cancel culture is essentially dead now um and i feel like ultimately man people in the world are going to benefit from his comedy and you're just going to have more and more people like when i watched snl man that episode with shane when i when i saw a special it, it brightened my mood made me happy so you're gonna have a, a happier world in my opinion i think this is a win-win but speaking of happy that something happened on on the critically acclaimed show the view where the hosts weren't very happy specifically with dr phil and so what happened with dr phil was he was on joe rogan and he basically he went on a like a rant about how the lockdowns in schools were not beneficial at all and they actually really harmed children in America. And this is true, right? He's a, he's a I don't know if he's just a TV doctor or if he's a real doctor or if he's actually like a psychologist whatever. I I would assume he is a psychologist not just a TV doctor so he does know some things. Um but he went on the view and voiced his opinion on not only the lockdowns but um you know what they did to children and here we go we're gonna we're gonna react to that too because i do think it's a it's worthy of you know being watched and uh being talked about so that's what we're gonna do um and we're gonna go through this ad here so everybody bear with me because you know I, I just hate when you know we have to hear the ads so it's gonna it's gonna blare out so bear with me here Days full of friend time, work time, meal time, bedtimes, family time. We got uh, 22 seconds of this. With Imgality. Imgality taken once a and month it's on foxnews.com, so it's an unskippable ad it can here. Cut monthly migraine days in half. Don't use if allergic to Imgality. Allergic reactions such as itching, rash, hives, and trouble breathing can occur even days after using Apologies for anybody like listening in their car. Ask your doctor about Imgality today. All right, here we go. And then COVID hits 10 years later, and the same agencies that knew that are the agencies that shut down the schools for two years. Who does that? Who takes away the support system for these? Some way shuts it down. And by the way, this is true, by the way. Who does that to these, these kids? You know? It, it's just stupid. Why would you take away two, essentially two to three years of these children's lives, have them in, in school online, away from all these social uh, groups where they're allowed to grow and, and, and learn about humanity as a whole? You took that away. You isolated them. I mean, I have family uh, that were isolated and, in my opinion, harmed the man. 
when they shut it down, they stopped the mandated reporters from being able to see children that were being abused and sexually molested, and in fact sent them home and abandoned them to their abusers with no way to watch, and referrals dropped 50 to 60 percent. So, there was also a yeah. pandemic yeah, going was, on, they were trying to save They were trying to save kids' well. lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died. Bro, Whoopi Goldberg is such a bitch. Yes, okay. The the, the goal was to was to not have children dying and, and, and passing and catching COVID. Yes, but Doctor Phil actually makes a really good point. He makes the point that children that um you know had school. Well, I don't know what this is. School was like a safe haven for them, and they now were forced to go back to their. Sometimes, if they had abusive households, they're forced to go back to their abusers back to their uh, people in their homes that may have been abusive or uh, in some cases molest sexually molesting them. And he makes up a good point. And the people at The View kind of just like brushed it off, said, screw you, you know, we don't care because we're trying to get you to fit in to our narrative. And so I don't know where this went. Hold on, fellas. Okay, we're going to continue here. So continuing on, here we go. More than 60% of sales on Amazon come from independent sellers. Like you simply season in Ogden, Utah. I don't know what just happened. It's continuing on, like it's stupid. I don't I don't understand why the people in the view are so narrow-minded. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me. Like they, whatever whatever narrative, whoever, all the higher-ups, whatever they do, uh, whatever they tell the people in the view to think and, and, and say, that's that's what they say. And it's very, it's very frustrating because Dr. Phil made a good point, I think. I think he made a very good point, but the fact of the matter is they didn't care, and, and they just continued to, to buy their own, so, yeah. their own narrative. So let's see, we're going to go back yeah. here. Yeah. Was, they were trying to save, they were trying to save kids' well. lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died during this. Of course people died. It wasn't, people weren't laying around uh, eating bond, but what, what? Of course people died, that's not the point. That's not the point. Kids were... Um, some of the most protect as one of the most the, the most protected group they were the least likely to get covid and die but for whatever reason our government officials chose to you know chose to take them out of school and as a result like dr phil says potentially harm them and not only cause things like depression things like anxiety things like um learning disabilities but now also you potentially sent them back to these homes where they may have been abused well, you know what? We're lucky. Maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could this is get such a faulty sick because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the He's most right. vulnerable group and they suffered and will suffer. He is exactly right. They were the safest group. They were, they were the least vulnerable group. But for whatever reason, we, we, we not we, but the, our government decided to take them out of their environment where they were going to learn, where they were going to grow, um, and where they were going to be able to learn about the world. And now you have two years of your life that have, have been taken away. So it's very, it's very disgusting. It's not something that I'm proud of our, 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 our government, our system of government. I don't know why they push back against Dr. Phil here. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know why Whoopi Goldberg and the rest of the viewers are so harsh on his his beliefs and they, 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 they sharp disagreement with not even like 
really thinking about like what the ramifications were for these kids. But once again, these people, it's just another propaganda arm of the government. That's all it is. It is just another propaganda arm of the government. So we're going to continue on here. Here we go. I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group. And they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID right. than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. There we go. Look at that. The view audience was clapping after that he said that. And the view audience is mostly left-leaning mothers and grandmothers that are stay-at-home moms, got nothing to do with their day. So they flip on the view and they eat whatever, whatever. <sighs> we're, we're, I'm done. These people, man. I don't know. Dr. Phil definitely caused a stir, though. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. Shit is crazy. Let me tell you. All right, so Whoopi Goldberg literally said they were trying to save kids' lives. And then Dr. Dr. Phil interrupted, and he said, not school children, which he was right. It's just so crazy. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's like when you put so much power in, I mean, when you put so much power in the hand of government officials, um, they never do, uh, arguably, most of the time they don't do good with that power. It's just a constant overreach. They, they, they take a little bit and then, you know, you're comfortable with it. You push back at first, something that Jordan Peterson said, you know, they take a little bit and then you're, you're at first you're. Like, no, what, what are you doing? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. But over time, you become more comfortable, and then they take a little bit. And the same thing, there's pushback at first, but then over time, you're comfortable. They take more. <sighs> That's what it is, man. It's just, it's a constant give and take. And so, who knows? I'm glad people like Dr. Phil are speaking out about this, because this, this is an issue, man. And it's not being talked about by a lot of traditional media. You see this more, you see this more in, like, the uh, online media, the uh, up-and-coming independent media. They talk about there's a lonely loneliness epidemic in children, and this is true, but traditional media, for whatever reason, don't cover it, and if they do, some like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, they, they shit on people in Gen Z and say, oh, these people, they're always on their phones, well, but like, who put the phones in our faces, you know what I mean, who put the phones in our hands, it wasn't us, we couldn't buy those phones, it was people older than us, for whatever reason, so I don't know. But we got one more thing to talk about today. Yes, Tucker Carlson. He survived an assassination attempt. Yes, there was. <laughs> this is so crazy. I'm a fan of Tucker. I don't like that he went to Russia and he basically made Russia look better than America. I didn't like that. I didn't agree with that. But uh, Tucker Carlson, somebody tried to assassinate him. So here we go. This is from the Economic Times. It says right here. Tucker Carlson in Russia, failed plot to kill American anchor ahead of Putin interview, question mark. So here we go. It says right here, American journalist Tucker Carlson was in Moscow earlier in February 2024 for an interview with Vladimir Putin, Russian president. And according to Putin's press secretary, the interview occurred on February 6th. A new report claims that the a native Russian has been arrested for the attempted assassination of Tucker Carlson. A Russian native, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize, um, Vasiliev Piotr Alexeyanovich, I hope that's right, um, revealed the plot against Carlson. 
He said that Ukraine's main doctorate of intelligence offered to pay him $4,000 for the task. Alexievich claims that initially he was unaware of the target, but now he knows it was Tucker Carlson. Huh. So basically, what this is trying, what this is saying is that, if I'm reading this correctly, Ukraine wanted to pay this guy four thousand dollars to kill Tucker Carlson. Which I'm sorry, if if you're a murderer, it, this is the difference between Ukraine and and in the United States. We're gonna put this down, bro. Murderers in the United States, you you're 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 gonna kill somebody for so much more. Four thousand dollars to kill, arguably the most controversial. I I would call Tucker a news anchor, the most controversial news anchor in, in the world, the most infamous news anchor in the world. Four thousand dollars? Are you kidding me? That just shows you like how low Ukraine is on the total. How how poor of a country Ukraine is, man. You're in America. You want me to kill Tucker? I need like five million minimum, minimum, and even then, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly saying okay. You know what I mean? Four thousand dollars to kill the the most infamous news anchor in the world. Crazy. <sighs> Crazy man. That's the show. Um, the news cycle has never been. Uh, boring, never been dull in America, and it will continue to not be dull, we, we were, folks, we're in an election here, and so, whatever happens here on out, I mean, whew, good luck, I guess, um, once again, air sunglasses, thank you for the shades, I appreciate you, um, I will be doing a lot more guest interviews, we got those coming, I had a really good guest, but unfortunately, he canceled on me today, he, he's under the weather, um, but, I am very excited. It's going to be a, it's already been a great 2024. Appreciate the support for the Clacko episode. If you haven't watched it, then go watch the Jimmy Clacko episode. You are guaranteed to laugh till you are blue in the face. Um, but yeah, please subscribe. I probably should have said that earlier. Please subscribe. Um, anything, a like, a, a comment for the channel. It's just going to help us continue to grow and, and push to monetization. We are this close. But I uh, appreciate everybody who is uh, listening or watching. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week.